We are holding in Perik Mam Aleph on page 112. So the larger context over here is in the previous program, Dr. Rebbe spoke about the importance of Kavana when doing a mitzvah. And Kavana is a combination of Ava Sashem and Yira Sashem. So in the previous program, we discussed them as a unit. And we called it Kavana or Lishma. And now we're going to start dissecting them individually. We're starting with Yira, and then we'll move on to Ava. We're going to talk about what each one is, how to, how to attain every one of them, and also why each one of them is needed. So last week, in the beginning of Perik Mamalaf, we started, the Rebbe says, that Reishas Avoida Ve'ikra Ve'sharsha is Yiras Hashem. Even though, in other words, the beginning of the beginning of Avoida, the foundation and its, uh, its root is Yiras Hashem, that's the beginning. That's, uh, that's where everything begins. Everything begins with Yiras Hashem. And as the Rebbe says, even though we know that generally speaking, that Avas Hashem is what motivates mitzvahs, the mitzvahs aseh, mitzvahs aseh. The fact that we do mitzvahs is because we love Hashem. And generally speaking, Yiras Hashem is what motivates mitzvahs leisasa, what causes us to abstain from doing that which is wrong is Yira, that is uh, the fear of Hashem. Says the Alter Rebbe, nevertheless, you need to have Yiras Hashem also for Vasetoiv. You need to have a Yiras Hashem also for, for mitzvahs, before you're doing mitzvahs. And how do we get to Yiras Hashem? Salter Rebbe gave us a meditation last week, thinking about the greatness of Hashem, and how Hashem, He is um, the, the absolute, uh, the King of all kings, and He's the King of all Yoinim, the Tachtoinim, all the worlds, the higher worlds, and the lower worlds, and He's Memalakalaman and Seivakalaman, He encompasses the worlds, and He fills the worlds, and nevertheless, what does Hashem want? What is Hashem looking for? Hashem leaves behind the higher worlds and the lower worlds All he wants is to be the king of Am Yisrael He wants that we should be his avadim That we should accept him as his king And we should um, learn his Torah and do his mitzvahs And then the Alter Rebbe continues further Not only does Hashem want to be the king over Klal Yisrael in general But Hashem wants to be your king He wants to be my king individually Hashem, He disregards everything that's happening in all the higher worlds. No, that doesn't disregard. What I'm saying is it's, it doesn't matter to Him. And what, all that's relevant is, is that you, as an individual, Hashem wants to be your melech. Hashem wants you to learn Torah and do mitzvahs and do His will. When a person thinks about that and when a person considers that, so that immediately the Alter Rebbe says, when a person thinks about that, um, and, and, one second, and therefore, because of all this, because how, how great Hashem is, and Hashem is the king of all the worlds. And Hashem is waiting for me to accept him as a king. And therefore I need to serve. Before I need to serve Hashem I need to serve Hashem with awe and with fear. As one stands before a king. So what do we have so far? You have to have Yeris Hashem. That's the beginning and the foundation of Avedis Hashem. And Dr. Rebbe gave us a, a meditation how to go about... Um, Attaining Yiras Hashem. And then the Alter Rebbe says, the last words that we, that we learned last week, and let's, let's repeat them again. This is a second line 
from the top of page 112, says the Alter Rebbe, a person should think deeply in this thought, in this meditation, v'yarechba, and take, t- take time contemplating this idea, to the, to the ability and capacity of one's mind and one's thoughts, and according to how much time one has available, a person should think, think this before learning Torah or before doing mitzvahs, for example, like for example, before putting on talos and tefillin. So although we didn't, we didn't really dwell on this too much last week, but over here, the Alter Rebbe, this is a very, uh, a very big paradigm shift. A very big, um, big idea over here, the Alter Rebbe slips in, by the way. Normally, when we think of Yiras Hashem, when we consider Yiras Hashem, when do we need to have Yiras Hashem? Under what conditions? What? You know, if this and this happens, you need to have Yiras Hashem. What are the conditions that call for Yiras Hashem? So usually the way we normally think about it is that uh, in the morning when we don't want to get up, we're not in the mood of davening, so then you have to think about Yiras Hashem. Even though I don't want to, I have to do it anyways. Chas V'Shalom, a person is thinking of doing an Avera, has an Esoyim. I don't know if I should say chas v'shalom. That's human, uh, human nature to want to do averus and to have this yearness. Um, so how do we how do we overcome the nesayin? How do we overcome the test? How do we stand strong? So we th- we have yiras Hashem. We think about how Hashem is this amazing and great King, and I have to have yira for Hashem. But what if I'm about to do a mitzvah? I'm about to daven. I'm about to put on talos. I'm about to put on my tefillin. I'm about to shake a shake a shake a little of an esrog. I'm about to give tzedakah. <coughs> I'm good, right? That's what you think. I'm good. Why would I? Why would I need? Why would I need to have yiras Hashem? I want to do the mitzvah. I have avas Hashem. I'm motivated to do it. What function does yiras Hashem play over here? Says the Alter Rebbe. No. Alter Rebbe says this meditation, which we just discussed about yiras Hashem. The Yamik Machshavazu, why should you think about it? Every time before you learn Torah or before you do a mitzvah, for example, like when you're about to put on your talis and tefillin. This is a very big idea. A, 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 an integral element of every mitzvah, Zirah Hashem. Not because otherwise you won't do it, even if you're, you're, you're fully planning on doing it, even if you're excited about doing it. Says the Alter Rebbe, before you do a mitzvah, you have to think about Yiras Hashem because a mitzvah has to be done with Yiras Hashem. Which again is very different than the way we usually think about Yiras Hashem. We usually think, think about it as some sort of a defense mechanism to prevent us from doing what's wrong. And that's something... So it's very interesting that if you, if you note, at the beginning of the Perik, the Rebbe says that even though, three lines from the top of the Perik, even though that Yiram is the Shadish L'Surmira, Yira is the source of Surmira, and Ava is the Shredish for Vasei Toiv. Still, you need, to have, you need to have Yira even for Vasei Toiv. So the Rebbe notes on this something interesting. The Rebbe says, if you look earlier in Tanya, in Perik Dalad in Tanya, the Rebbe says, over there, that Yira Sashem is what uh, motivates, if you look on page Ches, He says, 
But over here, if you notice, the Alter Rebbe uses a different lashon. He doesn't say that Ava is the shaders for Mitzvah Saseh and Yira for Leisaseh. He says Ava is the shaders for Aseh Toiv and Yira is the shaders for Surmeira. Small little change, but every single word, every single word that the Alter Rebbe and Tanya is, is exact and is precise. What's the intent? In fact, as we know, that there's a Mesoyed on the base of that on this very page that we're learning right now, in Perik Memalef, in the first line, or the second line, where it says, so the vav of the word ve'ikra, the Messiah, the tradition is that the Altarebbe thought for six weeks about whether to include this vav or not. Six weeks. That's how precise every letter is in Tanya. And the Altarebbe said that every time he puts in a ois hachibur, a vav, which is a, a letter that connects, he thinks the whole over the entire sefer to make sure that it fits into the, the into the context. Okay. So everything in Tanya is so precise. Imagine that six weeks thinking about a vav. So why over there in Perikei does the Alter Rebbe talk about mitzvahsei, mitzvahsei, and here it talks about sumerah and vasei And the Rebbe says that the truth is that in sumerah, in mitzvahsei, there's also a sumerah element. Meaning, if I have to do a mitzvah, if I have to do a mitzvah and I don't do it, so then I, I just did ra. I didn't do Ra, but uh, I didn't do it a- actively. I, it, was, it was passive Taka. But if I don't do a mitzvah, I'm a Rasha. So that's Ra. So therefore, from a certain perspective, I need to do a mitzvah in order to, besides for the Vasei Toiv, I need to do a mitzvah. In other words, one thing, I need to do a mitzvah because I need to do good things. The other thing is if I need to stay away from bad, not doing a mitzvah, bitl mitzvah saying, is a bad thing. So I would think, says the Rebbe, that when do I need Yira for Mitzvah Saseh? For the Surmeirah and Mitzvah Saseh. If I don't want to do a Mitzvah, so then I need Yira. But for the Va'asei Toiv, that you don't need to have Yira for. Only for the Surmeirah element. The Chidus of the Rebbe and Tanya is that even for the Asei Toiv element in Mitzvahs, I need Yira for that also. What does that mean practically? Exactly what we're talking about. If I'm about, if, if, I, if, if there's a Mitzvah in front of me, I see a poor person, and I don't want to give tzedakah, which is a bit mitzvah say. So I could say, I need Yiras Hashem to make sure that I don't do bad. What, is, what, what, what does that mean, I don't do bad? I don't, re, I don't abstain from doing it. But what if I'm planning on doing it? So the, now there's only the Vasei Toiv. Do I need Yira also for the Vasei Toiv? Says the Alter Rebbe, yes. You need the Yira for the actual doing of the mitzvah. Every single mitzvah needs Yiras Hashem. So what's the purpose of it? Why do we have Yira for, 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 for every action, mitzvah? Action. That's a great question. And although I said last week that we're going to talk about it this week, but uh, I think that, uh, although this week's the beginning of the parsha is lo yachol but I think it's going to be next week. Because <laughs> when I was preparing this week's class, I realized that, uh, that we did, we're, not, we're probably not going to get to it this week. I don't have to make ataras nadarim for that. But lochet is going to be next week. But for right now, we have to know the what. The what is that this is a major chiddush over here, 
that Reish is Chachma Yiras Hashem. The beginning of everything is Yiras Hashem. And not only that I have to have Yiras Hashem in general, it's not enough that in general I have Yiras Hashem, but every single mitzvah that I do has to be infused with Yiras Hashem. And how do I, do, how do I accomplish that? And that is that by, by before doing the mitzvah, taking some time to think about the greatness of Hashem and therefore awakening within myself a yira, an awe for Hashem, and then the actual va'asetev, the mitzvah is infused with a yira Hashem. Now, the Rebbe says this has to be done for every, before we do every mitzvah, and he says, for example, he says, talus and tefillin. So why dafka talus and tefillin? So first of all, talus and tefillin is done in the beginning of the day. So therefore, even though take, every time we do a mitzvah, it has to be infused with Yeras Hashem. And therefore, every time before we do a mitzvah, we have to take a moment to think about the greatness of Hashem and to there, thereby to awaken within ourselves this Yira, this Meira, this uh, aim of a Yira. But the main avoid is in the beginning of the day. Because if in the beginning of the day, before you daven, before you put on talas and tefillin, you take the time, a little more time than every other mitzvah during the day when we're usually rushed to think about the greatness of Hashem and to be mo'ir, to awaken a yira, then later on in the day, it comes quicker. Every time you do a mitzvah, you could think it doesn't take that much time because you still have left over the impression of that yira Hashem which you created through your meditation in the morning. And also, talus and tefillin, tefillin is a weekday thing, which teaches us that this, uh, this meditation about the greatness of Hashem is not limited to special days, it's not limited to Shabbos or Yom Tev, and for sure not to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but it's every single day, every single weekday, we have to awaken within ourselves a year of Hashem. Yes? If, if the Alter Rebbe is referring to the beginning of the day, why doesn't he start with the mitzvah of saying Mordani? Or why doesn't he start with the mitzvah of uh, washing Negobasa? Look, look in the old Prince mentioned for Pantafella. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. We will get there. We're going to talk about that today. That's a about uh, Moida Ani. That's a great question, and um, about Nagal Vaser. I guess Taka takes uh, Taka should be thinking a little by Yeres Hashem. And in fact, if you look in Shulchan Aruch, it talks about the right when you wake up in the morning to think about the fact that Hashem is standing above you. So therefore, the Yeres Hashem. But nevertheless, the thinking about it more in a relaxed way, in a more with a little length, that's before Talis and Tefillin, before before davening in the morning. So now the Alter Rebbe is going to say, until now we said what? That you have to have Yerush Hashem before every single mitzvah. And I gave you a meditation how to accomplish this. But that meditation is a general meditation. Meaning Hashem is my king. And he wants me, he wants me to serve him. Now the Alter Rebbe is going to say, the truth is, that also, you can infuse this mitzvah with Yerush Hashem by realizing that the act of the mitzvah itself inspires Yerush the act of the mitzvah itself inspires an offer Hashem. How was that? Let's look inside. Five lines from the top of page 112, from the beginning of the line. The gam, moreover, in a person should contemplate how the infinite light of Hashem, the light of Hashem, that surrounds all the worlds, encompasses all the worlds, it fills all the worlds. Which means, it's a light of Hashem which is greater than all the worlds. This is the light of Hashem which, uh, it surrounds the world, it encompasses the world, it fills the worlds, it creates the worlds. What is this infinite light of Hashem? 
Who Ratzon Elyon? That is Hashem's will. Something that's a little hard for us to make that connect, perhaps. But, uh, um, but we have to understand the Eir Ein Saf is the Ratzon of Hashem. They're one and the same. Hashem's Ratzon is the infinite light of Hashem, which um, pervades all the worlds. And this Ratzon of Hashem, is enclosed in the words of the Torah that you are learning. In other words, we're talking about when a person is learning Torah. You should know that this is in the words and in the Chachmas HaTorah. And it's in the ideas. In other words, it's both in the words and in the ideas. Imagine that we're sitting and learning right now. The words that we're learning and the ideas that we are uh, Absorbing. This is the Eir and Saf. That's what's that, that. That's what it is. Oi or betzitzes utfilin elu. Tzitzes and tfilin they are holy objects. So therefore, that means that the Eir and Saf is within Hashem's Ratzon is in the tzitzes and in the tfilin. Ubikriyase when we learn Torah. Oi or bilavishasei when we put on the talis and tfilin. Hu mamshich Eir yisbarach alav. You are drawing this air and soft, this infinite light of Hashem upon yourself. The Hainu meaning al chilek al imal. And the spark of godliness and the peace of Hashem, Shabbatech Gufa, which is within your body. So at the moment when you're doing a mitzvah, at the moment when you're learning Torah, your neshama is becoming subsumed and entirely bottled by Eri Yisbarach in Hashem's light. So in addition to thinking about the greatness of Hashem in general, and thinking about how Hashem wants to be your king, and wants you to be a servant, which that's the meditation that we spoke about last week. In addition to that, when you're about to do a mitzvah, when you're about to study Torah, contemplating what, is, what, the, what learning Torah is, and what doing a mitzvah is, that itself also is an incredibly awe-inspiring awe and yira-provoking yira, uh, yira thought. So therefore, the mitzvah, the Torah itself also, Brings you to Yiras Hashem. And now the Alter Rebbe is going to take it further. Not only can we have Yiras Hashem, because in general Hashem is so great and Hashem wants to be making. Not only also do we have Yiras Hashem from the fact that because doing a mitzvah or learning Torah it, itself is something which inspires Yira. Moreover, you can also have Yira by understanding the detail of the mitzvah that you're doing. Not only that it's a mitzvah, but every single mitzvah has a unique concept in it also, and contemplating the unique idea, the unique uh, message of that mitzvah, so that also brings you to a greater year of Sashem. So the Alter Rebbe says, now let's go more in detail. Let's talk about B'tfilin. What is accomplished when we put on tefillin? So beforehand we mentioned that when we do, we do a mitzvah, our neshama becomes subsumed in the area itself. But in tefillin, there's something special. Let's do this outside first. What happens when we put on tefillin? So we know in tefillin there are four parshias. The four parshias represent Chachma, Bina, and Das. Those are represented by the four parshias. You're saying my math is a little off? Yeah. yeah. The four, the, 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 the four, 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 the four,
three and four, it's the same idea. If you look in the Tefillin Shalresh, you'll notice that on one side there's a shin that has three heads. Four. And on the other side there's a shin that has four heads, right? So three, four, three and four. Why are, the, why are three and four the same idea? Because in Kabbalah we talk about Chachma and Bina, but Das is divided into two. Because Das means connecting, as we know, Das means when you connect to the ideas which you understand. And when you connect to the ideas which you understand, that can lead you in one of two directions. That can lead you to Chesed, or Ava, and that can lead you to Yira, which is Gvura. So because Das contains both of these, the fact being that when you connect an idea, it can lead you to either a feeling of closeness to that idea, or a feeling of distance from the idea, or the subject of that idea. So therefore, Das is sometimes considered as two. So the four Parshias in the Tefillin, they represent Chachma, Bina, and Das as it develops into, uh, into Chesed, and Das as it develops into Gevurah, which is again why you have the three and the four. And this is also Berumas in the Parshish. So for example, the first, the first Parsha is Kaddish. First Parsha in the Tefillin. Kaddish, Kedusha, and Kabbalah and Chassidus Kedusha is always synonymous with Chachma. Because as we learned many times through Atanya, Chachma is Koyach Mak, the, the Chachma is the, the capacity for Bittl, and Kedusha is Bittl. Kedusha and Bittl is one and the same. Where is there Kedusha? When something is Bittl Tashem, that's where there's Kedusha. So therefore, um, Chachma and Kedusha are always, uh, always why, sorry? Why Chachma? Because Chachma is Bittl. How come? How is Chachma? Chachma is the Koyach of receptivity. Oh, the Koyach of being Bittl. Yes. Yes. So therefore, Chachman and Kedush are synonymous. So the first parsha is Kaddish. The second parsha is V'hoi Kiviyacha. And in that parsha we have V'hoi Ki Yish'olcha Bincha. Ki Yish'olcha Bincha represents the idea of Bina. Your child asking, how do you get to Bina? In other words, Bina means building an intellectual uh, structure out of something. And that's when you ask questions and you have answers. So therefore, V'hoi Kiviyacha represents the idea of Bina. And there are other reasons why it represents the idea of Bina, but this is the simplest one that's brought up. And then the next parsha is Shema. You don't have to go too far. And Shema, you have a haftas Hashem alikacha. So therefore, that's Das, as it uh, expresses itself in Chesed, in Ava. And the next parsha is Vahayim Shemoya. And in Vahayim Shemoya, you have Yishamar Lacha, Penifta Levavchan. So that's the idea of Yira, to be careful not to do any Averis. So therefore, we have over here, we have Chachma and Bina, and we have Das. As it, as it manifests itself in Chesed and Ava, and Das, as it manifests itself in Yira and in Gvura. Now, if you look in Shulchan Aruch, as mentioned before, or also, as you mentioned, if you look in the, in the you, you said the old Siddurim, it's the Siddur, the Alter Rebbe. In today's Siddurim, they don't have all the, in some of the English Siddurim, they don't have all the captions, but that, the Alter Rebbe wrote a Siddur, and he wrote over there, that what, do you, that what are you supposed to have in mind when you put on Tefillin, also brought down Shulchan Aruch, you're supposed to have in mind, you're supposed to, um, so that the, the, the Parshiyas have talk about Yichud Hashem, Hashem's unity, and they talk about the Nisim which Hashem did for us when He took us out of Mitzrayim. Also, those miracles that they are Moira, they show, they, uh, they point to Hashem's unity. The fact that there's only one Hashem who has the power in the higher worlds and the lower worlds to do as He wishes. And therefore, when a person thinks into this, so the person then will be Meshabed, his lave and Moyach will be Meshabed, his heart and his mind. He will subjugate his heart and mind to Hashem. And he will uh, be less preoccupied with the various pleasures of this world. So it's fascinating. 
you see how the halacha, which is the, the body of Torah, is rooted in the nistar, which is the, the neshama of Torah, which is the Kabbalah. Kabbalah talks about the idea of the, what is the idea of tefillin? It is the idea of chachma bina and the das, which divides into the midas. And the purpose is that when we put on tefillin, we are devoting and subjugating our chachma bina and the das, which divides into our ava and yira, the heart, the mind and the heart, and we are devoting it all to Hashem. We're being mevatel it all to Hashem. So when a person puts on tefillin, what they're doing is, is they are taking their chachma bina and das, and it is being subsumed in Hashem's chachma bina and das. It is being bottled to and subsumed to Hashem's chachma bina and das. So that thought itself is also brings about yira. In other words, not only do I, have to have, do I have Yira because it's a mitzvah, and every mitzvah is an awe-inspiring act, but if I think into also what is the toichen prati, the unique, the unique content of this mitzvah, that also leads me to Yira Hashem, and let's do this inside. We'll start again from Vederach Prat. Vederach Prat, more specifically, when a person puts on tefillin, So to subsume and to nullify one's own chachman bina shebenavshi elikis, which is, in, which is in his nefesh alikis, in the chachman bina of Hashem, Hashem's chachman bina, where are they? In Parshas Kadesh, and Vayikviyach. What does that mean? The Hainu. What does it mean to be mevatel? My chachman bina, to subjugate and nullify my chachman bina to Hashem's chachman bina, which is in the tefillin. That means that a person makes a commitment not to use the Chachma and the Bina of their soul built Hashem for anything other than Hashem. And furthermore, to nullify and to subjugate the Das in his Nefesh. Das includes within it Chesed and Gvura which they are Yir of Abba the fear and the love which is in the heart, but begin is nasa alien. So we are being mevatel our das to Hashem's das, hakulul chesedik vura to Hashem's das, which also includes chesedik vura. Hamalubish and where is Hashem's das? Hashem's das is beparsha shmavaim shemoya in the two parshes of shmavaim shemoya. Vahainu and this is mamish k'meshikasa b'shulchan aruch that which it says in shulchan aruch leshabed halev hamoya chulun that the purpose of, of tefillin is to subjugate the heart and the mind to Hashem. That's, that's tefillin. And now we move on to tzitzis. What is the kavan and tzitzis? So again, now the point here is, not the, here tzitzis and tefillin are examples. The point is that when you're doing a mitzvah, you have to think in general about Yiras Hashem. Think about Yiras Hashem as it pertains to mitzvahs in general. And also think about it as the individual mitzvah. So he's bringing down over here Talos and Tfilm as examples, but they apply, this idea applies to all mitzvahs, that every mitzvah before you do it, to think about the, the pnimistic idea, the inner idea which is in that, in that mitzvah. And in, when you're putting on tzitzis, you should have a mind, as it says in Zoyer, to draw down upon oneself. Hashem's sovereignty, Hashem's kingship, Hashem's kingship, which is the kingship of all the worlds. Hashem is the king over all the worlds. And to uh, bring it down, that it should be uh, united upon us. Through the mitzvah of Tzitzis, and this is like the idea of Saim Tasim Allah 
of putting a king, the material tells us you have to put a king over you. So when we put a talus over us, that's like we're putting a king over us, Hashem's uh, kingship. So to understand a little better this idea, the relationship between talus and the Kabbalah's hamalchus of accepting Hashem's kingship, so I want to digress a little. I want to talk about something in this week's parsha, And we'll come back to it and we'll relate to the idea of the, of the tzitzis. That's it's in the So and in Shema we also talk about the tzitzis. So but it's it's uh, it's uh, two separate mitzvahs. It's uh, it's all it's, it's all incorporated uh, in the Torah. Everything has a dominant idea and includes within it everything else also. So that we have um, towards the end of the parsha, so we know it says that uh, bnei God and bnei Reuven. So it's a mikna rav, hoyel of bnei God of bnei Reuven, that they had a lot of cattle. So they approach Moshe Rabbeinu and they ask Moshe Rabbeinu if they can go, if they, if they can stay in the Yardens, Whole story, whole back and forth. It's not the the shakla batari. The back and forth is in the portland. Where the bottom line is the end. The Moshe Rabbeinu agreed that they should be able to inherit the land which is on the eastern side of the of the Yarden on a condition. The condition was that they go to battle on the other side of the Yarden until the entire Eretz Yisrael, including the western bank, is all is all conquered. So in this week's parsha, so Rashi says, so this week's parsha, it's repeated again towards the end of parsha's Devarim. So Rashi says that that's actually what happened. The Bnei God, the Bnei Ruvain, they crossed the Yarden. And not only were they part of the army that defeated the Knanim on the other side of the Yarden, but they went actually, they went at the head. They were the, I don't know what you call them today, but the, the Marines, they were the first ones in. And why were they the first ones in? So Rashi says because they were Gibbayim, they were incredibly strong. And how did it manifest itself, their incredible strength? Where did it manifest itself? That if you saw a person who was killed, in other words, one of the enemy combatants that were killed by Bnei Gad they were immediately identifiable. Why is that? Because Bnei Gad, when they would kill someone, so v'taraf z'raya af kodkoid, they would chop off one fell blow, the head together with the arm, which takes an incredible amount of givura, an incredible amount of strength, that they take the sword and give one, one hack, and they would not only decapitate the person, but also the head and the arm went off together. So therefore, because they were so strong, they went, they went before. They said, we are going to go ahead. They were, the, yeah, they were on the front lines. As Hasidim, we know, having learned a little Hasidus, we know that every single thing, and something that we've... Uh, mentioned countless times that every single thing in the uh, every single uh, physical reality or every single event or occurrence or phenomenon that happens in the physical world has a spiritual source in fact everything over here only mirrors a spiritual reality the fact that something happens on the physical plane is because there's a certain spiritual reality and that's reflected in the physical world nothing happens over here by mistake everything is uh, what's called a ishtalshalus a reflection of what's going on in the higher realities. A reflection of and an evolution of also. So what is the significance of the fact that B'nai God, the B'nai Ruvain, 
that when they would kill their enemies, they would chomp off their head and their arm together. What does that mean? It sounds nice. It actually sounds a little gory. But, but, uh, why is it so special? What? When you kill somebody, you kill somebody. Why right? is this the way how you killed them? Why is yeah. it special? So someone over there, I don't know what your name is, but you're, you're, you're alluding to the to idea of tefillin. Yeah. Yeah. The Rosh says that bizchus of putting out tefillin, you have a of zroya af In fact, when the Rebbe introduced the idea of um, of tefillin, of going and putting out tefillin, it was two days before the Six Day War, and the Rebbe spoke about this. The Rebbe spoke about this idea of specifically putting out tefillin with all Yidin, but especially putting out tefillin with the soldiers, because what the Rosh writes that bizchus of putting out tefillin, so the rezeichet of of this incredible gevura. It's for this incredible strength in Muhammad. But what, is this, what does it mean in a spiritual sense? So the Rebbe talks about this in a Sikha, and the Rebbe explains that the war against the Knanim, also, although it was a physical war that happened 3,000 years ago, but the Torah is Nitzchi, Torah is eternal. Every single thing in Torah, nothing, there's nothing in Torah which happened once. Everything in Torah is describing a spiritual reality. Maybe in the physical plane it played out once 3,000 years ago, but in a spiritual sense, it's something which is a, 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 a reality today as much as it always was. And every single one of us, we are always at war, at war with the Knanim, at war with the seven nations, the seven nations represent the, the different, uh, the seven midas and the different uh, temptations that we have and the different bad midas that we have. And this is our, our job in life. Our job in life is that we are supposed to conquer Eretz Yisrael. And how do we conquer Eretz Yisrael? By conquering our own Yitzhahara and conquering our own Nefshamamas. <coughs> when we are at battle with our Yitzhahara, so generally speaking, there is no one way to battle the Yitzhahara. Depending on the particular Nisayan, depending on the particular temptation that a person may be facing, so every single thing has to be countered in its particular way. So for example, if the mind of the Yitzhahara comes and throws in a thought, how do you counter that? You counter that with a thought from the Nefshalikis. You're saying, you're saying this idea, I'm going to counter it with a with another idea, if your heart of the nefesh of the Yitzhahara comes along and says, I, I like uh, this, okay, I like something which I'm not supposed to be having, so how do you counter that? You counter that, you counter that with the love and the like of the nefesh no, I like Hashem better, I like Torah, whatever it may be. And the same thing is, there are different, uh, different tools in the arsenal of the nefesh which it uses to fight the different... Uh, the different aspects and different uh, parts of the Yitzhara and of the Nafsha Bahamas. But there is one master weapon. And when you have this weapon, this weapon takes care of everything. It just totally wipes out the enemy. And what is that weapon? That weapon is Mesiras Nafesh. Or Bittl. Utter Bittl Tahashem. I am Hashem's Eved and I'm doing whatever He wants. I have no, I have no agenda, I have no desires. I mean, I have desires, but that's, not, that's irrelevant what my desires are. A complete commitment to doing what Hashem wants. 
That's what really what Mesiras Nefesh is. What is Mesiras Nefesh? The word Nefesh and Lashna Kodesh also means Ratzin. So Mesiras Nefesh means Mesiras Ratzin, giving away my will. It's not anymore about what I want, but I'm giving over myself to Hashem. Whatever Hashem wants me to do, that's what I'm doing. And when a person has Mesiras Nefesh, as B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain had, what's the proof they had Mesiras Nefesh? The fact that they volunteered. Moshe didn't, Moshe didn't tell them that they have to go in the front lines. Moshe just said, Moshe just wanted that they should go over the yard and join the rest of B'nai Yisrael in the, in the battle. But the fact that they had this incredible Mesiras Nefesh, they came, they came to Moshe and says, no, 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 we're going in the, we're going Halutzim. Halutzim. We are going to be in the front lines. With this Mesiras Nefesh, V'tarav Zroya Av you chop off the head and the arm of the Nef of the Yitzhar of the Shabhamis in one fell swoop. The head represents the highest capacities, the Seichel. The hand represents the Koyach Hamaisa. So normally, from the, so it, that, that's the entire spectrum, that's the entire gamut of, uh, from the, the highest level of the human being, which is the Seichel, the head, to the lowest, which is the, which is the action. But when you have Mesiras Nefesh, that Mesiras Nefesh, you chop off both of them at the same time, you come, you 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 um, you combat them, and you're able to um, to counter the nafsha Bahamas, all aspects of it at the same time. You don't have to go piece by piece. If a person is firmly battled Hashem and wakes up in the morning and says, "I am Hashem soldier. I'm doing what Hashem wants," that takes care that 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 takes care of everything. That allows you to deal with any nisayin. You don't have to have different tricks for different nisayinus, but that's the one thing that covers everything. The Torah of Zroya Afkatkei. Interestingly, where did they got the Ruven? Where did they get this from? This incredible Masiras Nafash. So, what's unique about the Negad Ruven? One of the things that's unique about them is Moshe Rabbeinu passed away in the Chelak of Ruven and Harnavoy, which is in the Chelak of Ruven, and he was buried in the Chelak of God. And as he learned with Zaysabracha, that why did God want Taka? Why did they want to be in Evra Yarden? Because they, he want, they wanted to be, they wanted to have the Chilak where Moshe Rabbeinu's Kavura was, where his caver is going to be. So it's apparent that B'nai God and B'nai Ruven had a very, very special connection to Moshe Rabbeinu. And they were completely devoted to Moshe Rabbeinu. And this might be the reason why they had this incredible. Uh, this incredible Mesiras Nafesh because of their Hispatlus, their complete bittle to Meshur Rabbeinu. There's <clears throat> actually a word from Rabbeinu Sina Ipschitz in Tferis Yenason. He says in this week's parasha, it says, Umikne Rav Hoyel of Neil of Negod of Neiru of that a lot of Mikne, a lot of cattle. Fraxe Chapash Shaila. When the Yidin went out of Mishraim 40 years earlier, the Pasuk says, that who came with the Yidin? Erev Rav. Vitsayinu Bakar Mikna Rav Mioit. So all the Yidin had an incredible amount of Mikna. So why is it only B'nai God and B'nai Ruven had a lot of cattle? So he answers, Rabbi Yenison answers, that B'nai God and B'nai Ruven, they were Mechavev the Mon. They loved the Mon. So therefore they never shechted any of their animals to eat. They didn't, because they, they ate only Mon. All the other Yidin, they ate man also, but uh, when they wanted to make a barbecue, they shafted some of their animals, so that depleted 
that depleted their uh, their supply of animals. And that's why they had a um, tremendous amount of cattle. And I wonder if this you can connect this, because we know that it's brought down. The Gemara says that uh, that man came b'schus Moshe Rabbeinu. You know that Nani covered through b'schus Aaron, and the Be'er Shal Miriam was b'schus Miriam, and the man was in the b'schus of Moshe. So I'm wondering if the, all around we see the connection of Bnei Gad Bnei Ruvin to Moshe. That's where Moshe passed away, and that's where he was buried. And they attacked, these were the two Shvatim that Mamish, they loved the man, which came b'schus Moshe. And what is the result? Because of their special bittel to Moshe Rabbeinu, they had this incredible Moshe Nafash. What happened to the Chatzis Shevet Menasheh? They were, they were they were added on later. They weren't they were not part of the original. The uh, Mefarshim uh, talk about it, but they, when they originally Bnei Gad Bnei Ruvin, they were the ones that approached Moshe. They were the ones who made a deal with Moshe, and only afterwards half of Somehow or other, they came. They also took a part in the land, but they were not part of the original uh, conversation. Weren't they? Would I, they have a excellent idea of being close to Moshe, but they should be. Shouldn't they have been wanted to be in Israel? But Moshe was buried. Uh, but, they, but they still, they shouldn't, shouldn't they have, why wouldn't they want to be, still be in Israel even, even so? And it was a very important view that they had a good connection with Moshe, but still. Um, Apparently they had an even stronger connection than you can imagine. Rabbi actually is speculating, right? He has no measures like that. He's speculating. I believe he's the, I believe he's the mucker of this idea. I'm once still someplace. How, how could they raise behemoths 40 years in the Midbar? There's no, there's no grass to raise. I, I, I heard that the behemoths themselves ate the money. They have to eat so some part. They have to have some sort of sustenance. By the Be'er Shalmerim, it says clearly, it says that also was for their behemoths. But I believe so. I believe the Medrashim talk about... Uh, it was grass also? Oh, okay. The Medrashim talks about how the deer would come and they would eat the money. And then uh, and the, and the people, the people of the world would go and they would uh, hunt the deer and they'd eat the deer and they'd get a little taste of how uh, how incredible the man was. I, I never understood how they. Should this one make it right? Where did they graze? Where did they, you know, right. So the Abinadra says they talk, didn't have animals. It's only when they got to Tzim, fortieth year, the new civilization that they bought animals. So what happened with all the animals they took out of Mitzrayim? They either they, they, they ate them. They Okay. I hear. I hear. Okay, but Rabbi Anderson has a different, uh, different shot. Yeah. So going back to the Tanya that we're talking about over here, so we see here also the Tfilin is about Chachman Binan Das. So that's about the person's mind and the person's heart. So therefore, you put Tfilin on the head. That that's for the head. That's, that takes care of the mind. Then you put Tfilin on the arm, but the, not in the hand. On the arm, which is. Uh, opposite the heart, and that represents the heart. But when you're dealing with something which is like, which is Kabbalah Samalchus, being the Kabbalah Shem as the king, that's not something which is unique to every single Aver. Rather, you take a talus and you cover the entirety of yourself. You're supposed to cover Reishe Virube. The talus is supposed to cover most of you. And we, you know, there's the rule of Rubik Kekulay, so you're entirely covered by the talus. And that symbolizes the idea that when you have Yiras Hashem, you're all covered. It's the one thing that covers all of you. You don't have to, it's not a separate Yiras Hashem for the head, and a separate uh, type of Yiras Hashem for the, for the heart, and a separate type of Yiras Hashem for the hands, and for the feet, because as explained earlier, the Vitar of Zreya Afkotka, Yiras Hashem, which is uh, related to the idea of Mesiris Nafesh, and the related to the idea of Bitl, that's something which covers the person in its entirety, that when a person has Yiras Hashem, the person is completely covered. What about the woman? covered. don't have not feeling intact? 
So they don't have Yad Hashem? They have their husband's talus and film. It's one... It's one thing, yeah. Do you have Shabbos candles? I see one. She, my wife lives. So she lights for you and you put on film for her. It's a partnership. So whatever you, whatever you have, is, uh, that's hers also. The joint venture. Weiter. Vazayin then. Seven lights on the bottom. Vazayin then. Now, so let's say a person thinks about all these things, went through all the four stages, thought about the greatness of Hashem, and thought about how Hashem wants to be the king of Klal Yisrael and my king, and then thought also about uh, you know what, what a mitzvah is, and then thought also about the individual unique quality of the particular mitzvah that he or she is about to do, and what happens if he still he's not overcome with fear and awe revealed in the heart says because you're accepting upon yourself the fear of heaven and you're drawing upon yourself even if it's not in the heart but at least in your mind in your thoughts and it's also your mind wants that. That's the rotsen of your mind is to have a yira. And this acceptance that a person's makabal on himself, he amit his blishum sofik. It's true. There's no question about it that it's true. Why? Because that is the nature of every single yid. Not to rebel against the holy king Hashem. So therefore, So the Torah that you're learning, or the mitzvah that you're doing, as a result of this acceptance of Hashem's malchus, at least in the head, because you're bringing, you're drawing down, and you're bringing the fear of Hashem into the mind. This is a beautiful, complete avodas Hashem, kechol avodas ha'eved. Like any service that a servant does for his master or king. So, what did we have so far? The Rebbe says how important it is to Yiddish Hashem is the Yisoyed of Al-Avayda. He gave us, not only is it, not only is it the Yisoyed of Al-Avayda, but you have to also have it for every single mitzvah individually. And then he gave us a multi-pronged meditation of how to accomplish this Yiddish Hashem. The Rebbe says this is a meditation that there has to be Every time before a person learns Torah or does mitzvahs. Although, more at length in the beginning of the day, but also this has to be every single time before a person learns Torah or does mitzvahs. But until now we've been discussing the what, but we haven't discussed the why. As we mentioned a few times, why is Yiddish Hashem, why is Yiddish Hashem so important? So on a very simple level, The difference between Ava and Yira, the difference between love and fear, when I say fear, I mean fear and awe, all packaged in one, is that love is about me. 
When I love something, when I desire something, when I want something, it's about me. Yira, by definition, by, by definition, is not about me, but it's about the other. Yira means it's not necessarily something that I would like to be doing, but I'm doing it because I'm in fear of or in awe of the other. So that's me reacting to the other, but not what I'm doing is not necessarily what I would like to be doing, but it's because of the other. So number one, we have to understand that the reason why Yira is so fundamental to Ravayda is because it's the ultimate safeguard. Without Yira, with the best intentions and with the most love of Hashem, you can, as they say in Yiddish, you can farfir. I don't know how you translate exactly that into English. How do you say farfir in English? Farfir. Farfir, what? Farfir. What? Go the wrong way. Go the wrong way, get in trouble. All these things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need, for one word in Yiddish, you need like 20 words to, to translate it. Yeah. Farfir. Farfir, yeah. You can, you can stray. You can stray and you can, uh, yeah. That's, I think, that more closer to Stray. Yeah. Uh, example, prime example number one of this was Shaul HaMelech. Shaul HaMelech was an incredible tzaddik. We say about Shaul HaMelech that he was Roshay uh, V'Shichma, he was head and shoulders above the nation, which by now we know that everything in the physical realm is a reflection of a spiritual reality. So physically Shaul was head and shoulders above the nation. That means that spiritually he was also head and shoulders above the nation. As the Sifri Kabbalah and Chassidus explain what that means exactly in the different... Uh, in the, in the different spheres, but he was someone who was completely taller than everyone else, spiritually taller than everyone else. And when Hashem sends him off to go and to destroy Amalek, so he speared the animals. And when he comes back, and Shmuel is sent by Hashem to confront him and ask him, what's going on? So what is Shaul's response? Actually, before Shaul even uh, before Shmuel even tells him anything, Shaul he meets him, and his first words are, "Hakimoisi is dvar Hashem. I've done what Hashem wants." Now Shaul wasn't lying. We're talking about a very holy person, and he wasn't someone who was shy to lie. And when he said, "Hakimoisi is dvar Hashem," that I've done what Hashem wants, he took a thought that way. And then Shmuel tells him. Really? But <laughs> I hear, I hear, I hear some animals in the background. What are those animals in the background? So Shaul says, "Ah, those we're bringing them as kabbanas. Can you imagine? We're bringing them as kabbanas. We're taking animals from Amalek, such an incredible tumah, such an incredible klipa, and we're going to bring them out of the mizbeach. Can you imagine how happy Hashem is going to be? Because we know this idea of his habcha, chashechel, and ha'ira, the the, the greatness of taking darkness and transforming it into light. We're going to take the animals of Amalek, the depths of, uh, of Klippa, and we're going to bring it as a carbon. <coughs> and Shmuel goes, says back to him, <laughs> well, We didn't get that. He says, But one second, but, but you were told to kill them all. And Shaul says, Yeah, yeah, but I'm bringing them as carbonus. It's like a funny conversation. If you follow him, you're in the. He's not getting it. And Shmuel, until finally, Shmuel tells him, Does Hashem want your kabbanas? Right? Mm-hmm. Shmuel says, Hashem wants you to listen. That's what he wants. He asked you to destroy Amalek. He told you to kill the animals. You had a very good idea. You were very excited about it. And that's very nice. But that's not what Hashem wanted. And therefore, 
there were grave consequences. You know, the shul he lost his uh, he lost the melucha because of that. So when you're going with ava, when you're going with excitement and with passion, even if it's excitement and passion, which is from kedusha, but you can far fear. As opposed to when you're going with yira, when you're going with bittel, when that is the, the very foundation of your services, what does Hashem want of me? And that's all that matters, not what I think and not what I want. That is, you know that your avoida is mamish, is mamish uh, safe in that way. We had a similar idea, it was also by, um, by Matan Torah. So we know the Gemara tells us in Sechta Shabbos that the Kafa Aleim, Kafa Kadosh Baruch Aleim Aharkigis, that Hashem put the put the mountain over their head and told them that if you accept the Torah, good, and if not, um, this is going to be your burial ground. So the famous question on this is: One day earlier, the Eden had already said Nasev Nishma. They'd willingly accept it. And now, a day later, Hashem is lifting up the mountain over the head and saying, you have to, they accepted it. We've spoken about this in the past. We've given the marshal of, a, you know, a, a, a man who's uh, dating a woman for a long time, and finally he proposes to her. He says, will you marry me? She's like, yes, yes, I want to marry you. And then he says, okay, and he pulls out a gun and says, either you marry me or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Same thing. I just said I'll marry you. Well, now I don't want to marry you, right? But... Why would, why would the Abishtar have to go and lift the mountain over the Eden's head and, 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 and threaten them in that way? So in the past we've spoken about and we've given a, a, a different answer from the Alter Rebbe, but, but now there's another answer, another moment the Alter Rebbe talks about it and he says that Hashem, when the Eden when the Eden were to accept the Torah, it couldn't be from Ava. It couldn't be from Ava only. There had to be Yira over there. Because Yira is Yerashas Avedah Ve'ikra Vesharsha Yerashas Yira is the foundation. And if what's going to happen is if the Eden accept the Torah because they're so happy about it and they're so excited about it, and what's going to happen in the five years from now when they're not happy about it, they're not excited about it, and they decide to change their mind. If the Eden, in other words, if they only accept the Torah because they had an Ava Tashem, when that Ava wears away, because Ava's about my feeling today, and Ava fluctuates, my feelings can depend, it depends on what's my mood today, and where, where am I holding today. So then the Kabbalah Satayra also wouldn't be a complete Kabbalah Satayra. So the message that Hashem was conveying to the Yidin when He lifted the mountain over their heads was, it's, I'm very happy that you have a, such incredible Ava to me and that you accepted the Torah yesterday with such exuberance, but you have to understand, the Reishas Avoida, the foundation of, of Avoida Hashem is not Ava. The foundation is Yira. Now, is Yira enough? No. The Creator downside. That is correct. That is correct. Al Rebbe deals with it extensively in another moment, but once we ha- yira alone isn't enough because when a person only has yira, so the service of Hashem, we'll talk about this later more in the in the upcoming prakim. Then the service is dry, it's uh, mechanical, so to say. You need to have avas Hashem, but avas Hashem is the beautiful building. What's the foundation? The foundation has to be yira Hashem, and as we all know, building without a foundation. It can't, uh, it can't survive. So also, the same thing we say, that Reishas HaVoyda Ve'ikra Vesharsha, the Yir Hashem, is the foundation, is because without Yiram, you're missing that foundation, and you can stray, you can stray off the way. So that's why Yir Hashem is so important. But that's not enough. 
Although everything we just said is true, but that's not enough. Why? Because if the reason why I have to have Yiras Hashem is because that's the foundation of my service, that doesn't explain why every single mitzvah has to be with Yiras Hashem. That only explains why I have to have Yiras Hashem in general. In the morning I have to wake up and I have to have Yiras Hashem. Or as Dr. Rebbe said at the beginning of the period, for that, then, then I need Yiras Hashem for Sur Mirah. We still don't know, why do I have to have Yiras Hashem a, for Vasei Tev? As, as a part of the mitzvah, right. integral part of the mitzvah. There we go. So we're, 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 we're getting somewhere. So, we still know, so let's, let, let's recap where we are. We know that the Alter Rebbe says we have to have Yira. Not only we have to have Yira, but that's the foundation of the Avodah. Not only that, but every single mitzvah, the Va'asei Tov of every single mitzvah, has to have in it Yira Sashem also. And the Alter Rebbe gave us a whole lengthy meditation this week and last week about how to get to that Yira Sashem. But, We still don't know why Yiras Hashem is important for the Va'asei Toiv in every single mitzvah. And that is something that we're going to learn in Mitzvah Hashem next week. In other words, next week we're going to get to the real oimik, the real depth of why Yira is so foundational, and more specifically of why Yira is so foundational to the point that it has to be part of every single mitzvah that we do. Is it ma'akif in the mitzvah? Sorry? Is, is it ma'akif? Is it, if it's an integral part of the mitzvah, so if you don't have it, it looks like you don't have the mitzvah. We'll find out next week. Stay tuned.